Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is Ametz. I'm here with B Pimp for episode 91. B Pimp, how's it going with you? Knowing me, B Pimp, knowing you, Ametz. Aha! Aha! That is just one of the many great tracks that will be on our up, uh, upcoming EP. So people get ready for that. Uh, we are continuing our 80s extravaganza on this podcast. So if you've been listening the last two episodes, we talked about our favorite uh, 80s action movies, and we've talked about our favorite 80s comedies. This episode, we are talking about our favorite 80s albums. So there are a lot of good ones. I think the 80s, like, well, like most decades, except for maybe the last one, was a good one for music. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there. My list genre-wise ended up being all over the place. How about yours, B-Pimp? Yeah, same for mine. And even including honorable mentions, I found that like some of the biggest albums, probably the most commonly known, um, some of the huge bands, like I'm thinking of U2, I could just spoil it, but um, are not like my favorites. Like, and I know that they're like critically, uh, whatever a lot of critics say, yeah, these are great. But I was just like, I can't, some of them were, were ones I just can't include. So my list ends up being extremely weird, even for me, where that's normally how it is. I thought when I was making my list, I wanted to make it very 80s-y in a, like, a, I was looking for an album of, like, The Cure or The Smiths or Depeche Mode to put on the list, and I c- couldn't do it. Um, nothing against those bands, but for some reason I couldn't find, I'm not familiar enough with them on an album level, more just like a songs level. And I couldn't find any albums that actually had the collection of songs that I would like deem to be in my top yeah. albums. I think that that's, I don't know if that's particular to the eighties in any way, but I did kind of have this, a similar experience with some of mine. Another horrifying thing I realized speaking of uh, Depeche Mode is Enjoy the Silence, you know that song? Yeah. I always thought of that as a quintessential like 80s song. But even though it was recorded in 89, it was actually released in 1990. Oh, is that on Violator? I think so. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was on their 87 album. What's it called? Like Music for the Masses or something? Music for the Masses, yeah. Yeah. And it's not. It's on one that came out in 90. Yeah, that's also... The 91 also has Personal Jesus, which is like their, probably their biggest one, right? Yeah. Like the one most people know by them. If we do a top albums for the 90s, I, I got to go back and consider that. I feel like we should do that Okay. also at some point, like a 90s Palooza instead of a <laughs> Stravaganza. <laughs> that would be a little more in my wheelhouse, I think, because that's like when I started buying albums. Yeah, I think that would be fun. Definitely. Um, all right. Uh, I have a whiskey to try, but... Before I go back and do that, I wanted to give an update to our listeners because in a previous episode when we were talking 80s action movies, I noted that I could not have the movie Die Hard on my list because I actually hadn't seen it. Uh, Since then, I have watched it and it's great. Isn't it? It's a really good movie. Um, We've been going back and just watching like a lot of classic movies that for whatever reason, we just haven't seen. And the other one we watched last night that I've never seen in full was Back to the Future. Oh, okay. Which that's on either one of us had on our list, did we? I No, I've never seen it all the way through. It's one of the big ones that I've just missed. <laughs> yeah. I. You know what? 
it's good. Like no no knocks against Back to the Future. I don't think it's a classic. So you're saying I'm not missing out as much as I may have thought. I don't think so. I think objectively and subjectively, Die Hard's a better movie. Yeah, Die Hard is Die Hard. Bruce Willis is doing a lot of good work in that movie. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, it's more exciting. Back to the Future feels smaller than I thought it would. And there's a couple things I don't like about it. Like the main character does not uh, grow in any sort of way. Oh, uh, okay. It's like almost too firmly entrenched in the eighties and it sets itself up for a sequel at the end in a way that's almost offensive. Oh God. Also, the, the product placement is very blatant. I do remember hearing that. Isn't it like Coca-Cola's all over it or something or what? I don't remember what it is, but Pepsi free, which doesn't oh. exist as a drink anymore no how long it did exist as a drink but like pepsi's all over it there's this one scene in a parking lot where it's at night but they keep showing this jc penny logo it seems like no matter which way the camera is pointed it's facing a jc penny it (laughs) makes no sense i think spatially either wow yeah there's just some weird stuff in it there's like a weird understanding of like sexual assault in that movie, which I I'm guessing like a lot of old movies probably wouldn't stand the test of time of that, but it's odd that that one like was a lot worse than I thought. And then it also has this, like, I can't tell if it's trying to be that funny or not, but like Libyan terrorists, like a Gaddafi knockoff. It's so weird. And they're riding in like a VW van. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. I would give it like a seven out of 10. If Die Hard gets a nine out of 10, maybe I would say, I would say that back to the future is like a seven. And will, will you indulge in any of the sequels or are you done with that movies? Those done. movies. I think that's interesting that you bring that up. Cause that's like a good barometer, right? I think I won't watch the sequels. Yeah. That's well. And the other question I had is how are you guys, are you just thinking of them and then saying, Oh, we should watch that one. Or do you have like some kind of source you're going to, to find these missed no, classics? I think we, we went to some category in, I think we were on Netflix. So it's on Netflix, at least it's free. And it might've been a classic movies or classic comedies or action comedies or something like that. Mm. Cause the other movie that was in it, which I have seen, uh, was airplane. I'm like, Oh, sweet. I watched that last week. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. I hadn't yeah, seen it in a long time. It holds yeah. up. Oh, it's got to. Plus, it's like, I noticed it was only like 90 minutes long. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's the best. So, Airplane, without having seen it in the last five years, 10 out of 10. Die Hard, 9 out of 10. Back to the Future, 7 out of 10. That's I love movie. it. I love these rank- these movie ratings. <laughs> they are, uh, cannot be questioned. Nope. You're chiseling it in in stone. Yeah. Okay, before we jump to the whiskey, quick NBA talk. The NBA is back. Do you have any changes that you think... Wait, are the Bulls in it? In what? The NBA for this part. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Because they only invited the top 22 teams. and I don't know if the Bulls are in that group or not. Uh, Well, no, I think they could. I honestly checked out, but I think they could have been. I think they were. Yeah. I know they started doing extremely poorly after like a promising start-ish. So Yeah. Okay. So that'll be the first thing we need to confirm is are the Bulls in it? 
And if they are in it, are they your championship contenders? I'm going to just say yes. Yeah. I'm just going to say Kobe White is going to take over the tournament or whatever they're doing and dominate so. it. Like Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't have a chance against him. Joel nope. Embiid, I think they're not. too big. They can't control their bodies. No, of course not. They're going down. Bulls all the way. Um, all right. So for my whiskey, this I think you'll like. It says right at the top, work hard, play hard. The whiskey I'm drinking is Redneck Riviera. Oh, my. Yeah. That is interesting. <laughs> it is. So uh, it's, yeah, Redneck Riviera whiskey. And then below that, it says a small batch whiskey with vanilla honey smoothness and a subtle oak finish. So we shall see. It's 40% alcohol by volume. Um, and the yeah, who's that cowboy? Great question. Who is that cowboy? Is it John Rich? He's for some reason, he's got a signature on the bottle. Okay. He's very that is though. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut off your further bottle review. If so, yeah, I don't know. Is he like a musician? Is he from Big and Rich? Oh, maybe. Is that the, is Big and Rich the country band? Or is that? I think you're right. Um, yeah. Okay, maybe it's that. Uh, the hashtag is Drink American. Here's an interesting thing. So the, the company is based out of Nashville, Tennessee, which really makes me think it's the Big and Rich guy. But it's bottled in Portland, Oregon. Wow city that you dunked on ceremoniously in a previous <laughs> podcast yeah uh all right well i'm gonna give it a try you know i actually i'm not gonna judge it too hard it's a glass bottle that's a hey, I mean, that's, that's a start that, right you got the awesome glass drink it on the rocks a nice pour kind of a light color not too light it doesn't it never i don't think refers to itself as any type of whiskey it doesn't say bourbon. No. That's a little weird, right? This is like the, it's whiskey stuff. It's just like. <laughs> yeah. It says it's 95% American light whiskey aged two years and 5% American whiskey aged at least one year. Oh. What does that even mean? What price point did this come in at? Um, that's a great question. I kind of forget. So it must have been sort of in that middle ground to maybe slightly cheaper than middle ground. Okay. I was just like curious because I'm thinking it was in the probably high 20s. Okay. Maybe well, low 30s. For okay. So it's not. 50 milliliter. I think high 20s probably. It's not a bargain one. So like that's. A, oh. So maybe they're just going for like a younger whiskey that's got like they can mass produce. That's what it sounds like to me from that. Mm-hmm. All right. We're giving another shot. Smelling it, standard smell. It does have a sweet smell. Okay, it's got a little bit of caramely color to it. I can see that you mentioned. It, it refers to itself as a light whiskey, which I don't disagree. Okay, so we got a sip here. Let's see what the initial reactions are. The first sip is it's. Uh, it feels like a pitch right down the middle. It's not. I don't think it's trying to mask itself in any particular way, which you sort of see like cheap whiskeys do. Like maybe they'll throw some like unnecessary like spice at the end because the like the body doesn't exist. I actually think it does have some body to it. A little bit of kick at the end. 
It's not pulling me one way or the other. Let me give it another sip. Always careful contemplation. Get another sip here. Really swish it around. Yeah. That sip was a little more spice forward. But I don't mind. It's like sitting in an actually pretty pleasant way. I'm going to do what I've been doing almost every single time and take that third sip. It's a tried and trademark third sip. Hmm. It's sitting even a little bit spicier that time. Wow. Increasing spiciness. It's funny. Like, is it the best sipping whiskey? I would say it's probably not. On the rocks, dead of summer, maybe it's 90 degrees outside and a little bit humid, and you're just listening to the the bugs chirping. It's that kind of whiskey. Maybe you're listening to a little big and rich on the radio. <laughs> I can't name a single song of it. <laughs> I can't either. I think I, I was confusing them with Florida Georgia line because I thought <laughs> I thought of that song. Yeah. Or Lady Antebellum. Yeah. Lady A. And then sued the lack person actually named Lady A. Like, can you like how terrible? Oh my God. It's, they're so stupid and like horribly spirited. Um, but speaking of spirits that aren't horrible, I'm going to do it despite what I thought I would end up doing when I picked out this bottle. I'm going to put redneck Riviera hashtag drink American, which itself is pretty funny because I mean, it's not like bourbons are outsourced, but right. um, I'm going to actually put it on the smooth train. Wow, that's a tough they that's a tough road to hoe. Redneck Riviera is doing something. Yeah. I uh part of it was me thinking that I've I've been maybe too picky about the smooth train, but I enjoyed this. I'm going to keep drinking it. And what? it's you know, even if it's not like, you know, gonna leave a lasting memory, it is smooth. What's the red what is the redneck Riviera reference? Is that like a what they call Nashville or something? Or like Oh, what? like is that a place? I don't know. I've I mean, heard that term. term. Okay. Oh, jinx. You owe me a Pepsi free. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't what is the Redneck Riviera? Maybe it is Nashville. I'm sitting in front of a computer, so uh, instead of just wandering <laughs> into the abyss. Wait, like search that? I'm gonna search it right now. I'd love to find out it's Portland, Oregon. <laughs> There's a site called Ocean Reef. Yeah, that would be great. Ocean Reef Resorts that says, oh, it's the Emerald Coast. Emerald Coast. It's the coastal area in the U.S. state of Florida on the Gulf of Mexico that stretches about 100 miles through five counties, Escambia, Santa Rosa, Okaloosa, Walton, and Bay, which include Pensacola Beach, Navarre Beach, Fort Walton Beach, Destin, and Panama City. Oh, so those are all like on the panhandle. So that's right. just like a stretch of resort towns that became known as the Redneck Riviera. Oh, okay. I really have never been to that part of Florida. Only the things I hear out of it are like, like most Florida people are awful, but they're especially awful. Oh, wow. It's the worst of the worst. I think it's the worst of the worst. I'm pretty sure. I mean, people correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the panhandle of Florida is the worst of the worst. And they yet somehow made a whiskey that got on the smooth train. Yep. I guess they did it. Good for them. Um, I like to think I don't want to be too political with my whiskey tasting. No, it's true. You got to take it on its own merits. Exactly. Um, all right. 
one for the smooth train. Uh, I will definitely keep enjoying this. Way to go, Rich from Big and Rich. Assuming big, correct. Big, step your game up. Yeah, big. Uh, where is your whiskey? Uh, okay. Well, we have a, a really good top five to cover. We're talking about albums. Again, we talked about how genre-wise, I'm all over the place. It's like early hip hop, which is great. You got some good '80s rock. You got some synthy sounds, like that classic, just '80s music. And um, yeah, I feel like I have some typical picks, some not typical picks. I feel when I was because I did a search for what other people thought were like the best albums of the '80s. What I found is, in some cases, they lined up, but for some bands, for example, REM, and I'll talk about this later, but often when I was looking at a list, they said the top REM albums of the 1980s were definitely Murmur and maybe like Document. But for me, that is not my REM 80s album. So I think that happened in a couple of places. Do you have any on your list where you're like, this is not the album this band is known for, but it's my favorite? I, yes, I do, actually. I think... I think that would fit maybe with a couple of mine. Um, I also do have the heavy metal represented, which won't be a surprise, but it was like, yeah, I did. I did find that like I had that same thought process where I was thinking about like, that's not the signature album, but it's the one that I listen to the most and like the most. Okay. Before we jump in, what are your odds that we have a double dip? I would say, Oh, let me, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to say, uh, I think it's pretty low. Can I give odds in a form of a percentage? Yes. 20%. 20%. All right. Um, based on you saying 20%, I'll go even lower. I'll say 10%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into it. These are our top five albums of the 1980s. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right. My number five is, and I actually do think this is his best album, um, is Prince, Purple Rain. So, of course, Purple Rain has Purple Rain. Classic song. We covered it as a band, Hero Monster Zero, a bunch of times. We ended half of our shows with it, probably, uh, if not more. It also has When Doves Cry, classic song. And it starts off with Let's Go Crazy, which has like just like, I think one of the best intros to a song ever. So I, I got to hand it off. Like to, I like Prince a lot. I don't think too many of his albums from start to finish actually stand up the test of time particularly well. Like he has a lot of great songs, but he also has like a ton of shitty songs. But Purple Rain does. And that's why I have it at my number five. I'm curious about... Like Prince is, I think that I didn't put him on my list because he's somebody who I had a tremendous amount of respect for as a musician and like an artist. But I, like you said, sort of about his albums, I could never find myself like, I really want to go listen to that album. And I'm, that's just how I am. Like I want to put on an album. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've always kind of, I love some of the singles I've seen, but I never really liked a full album. That's, I think my Prince issue. Yeah, I you know, without probably being, we're not like the biggest Prince experts, I'm sure. But I do kind of feel that way, like you do towards music. Like not too many of his like albums in full are like full album listens. Yeah. Um, but I, this is the one exception for me. Yeah, I mean, and I, Purple Rain is so great. It's just like, it's, it's a great song. 
Yeah, and it's a tight album too, which some of Prince's albums are actually a little bit bloated. This is, unless I'm mistaken, I believe Purple Rain is nine tracks. So it's a lot like like Thriller in that sense, where it's just like, just give me the good stuff, and then that's it. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Yeah, I think that's good. Here's my, my number five is my only hope, and the reason I gave it a 20% chance for a double dip. Okay. So if this isn't your number four, we don't have one. There's no way it is. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. It's public enemies. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Oh my God. So that, that was my number five earlier oh! today. Uh, and I just bumped it off my list for purple rain. So my, both of my strategies would have failed though. Cause I went second hoping that I could get it in that way and I would have blown it. Right. No, no, no. Like it, it up until an hour ago, it was my number five. Oh yeah. Right. So we would have had it. So it would have happened. I'm sorry. It was, I was so close to doing it. And then I just, I couldn't. That would have been amazing. Cause I, I think it truly is the only one, but it's a great, I mean, I just love that album and I had a lot of things fighting it out for number five or to be on the list, but mm-hmm. that I couldn't leave it off. Like I, I just, even though, I mean, it's a long album and I think there are some sections of it that I'm not as into, but there's so many great tracks and it's just like such a, like the energy and the attitude and like how it's place in history and hip hop. And like, it's just such a great album. The energy is incredible. The one, two combo. Well, I mean, it's like the second and third track, I think, but the combo of bring the noise and don't believe the hype is like one of the best, like back to back tracks you could have on an album. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I it's it's my most honorable mention, and it was that close. I like that the most honorable mention. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry to make it my number four, which is uh, if you could go further from Public Enemy, you would be doing it with this group. Uh, it's REM with Green, which most people, I think, Green is not well regarded, and I don't know why. I think it's my introduction to the band. But I love Stand. I love Orange Crush. I love Pop Song 89. I think it's the most, like, to me, it is the most REM, REM album. Did I say what year it was from? 88? Like, it's, I also really like Document, but I like Green even better. So I, I had to put an REM album for sure on my top five, and it's Green's my favorite. I don't care what the critics say. I'm looking at, I do know Orange Crush and I like that song. And I was seeing if there was another one on there that I like. I like Night Swimming, but I don't know what album that's on. Mm, You would probably know Pop Song 89 if you heard it. Uh, I'm sure I I would. I think you would know Stand too. I I think Stand was a single. Um, I mean, the tough thing with 80s albums is that like, I'm not always positive what exactly was a single and what wasn't. Right. But... Yeah, Orange Crush, I think, is classic. And similar to how you just went uh, far away from the my previous one, my number four is Danzig. Ooh. With Danzig, his self-titled first uh, album with, like, his heavy metal band after he left the Misfits. Um, I also learned, it was from 1988, and I also learned that that was the first album released when uh, Chuck Rubin, or what's his name? Is it Chuck Rubin that did Jeff Def Jam? Oh, uh, Paul, Paul Rubin? No, no, no. Uh, Paul Rubin. Paul Rubens. 
<laughs> no, I think it's uh, Chuck Rubin. Is his name Rick? Oh, Rick Rubin. Yes. Rick Rubin. Thanks. Oh, that Rick Rubin's when he made uh, Def Jam America or whatever it is, like the rock version. Um, Def American Recordings, it might be. That was the first one they released, which I didn't know. Um, but I don't know. Dancing is. Uh, he's known affectionately as Metal Elvis because of the way he sings on the heavy metal albums, but it's it works perfectly, and their band is so great. And it's just like I listened to it today on a walk this morning, and it was like it's it's it rocks, and they do something that's not common on rock or heavy metal albums, which is the first few tracks they like play from one into the next like they let the guitar sustain go and then he just picks up the riff for the next song as it picks up on the next track i was like wow that's not i know it's great i was like that was a nice touch whatever whoever decided to leave that in there a forgotten art i feel like yeah i tried that sort of thing on like one or two albums i've ever made and then realized like what does it even matter who listens to an album from start to finish but like that i i think it's just such a nice touch with albums it made me just like smile while I was out on my walk. I was like, I like this 1988. You did something right with this album. Oh, you know who did that really well? Um, Well, the roots like sometimes do that pretty well. They really did it well with game theory. Yeah. 2006, I think. Yeah. That's Um, a good point. That, that one goes nicely from one track to the other for the most part. Uh, All right. My number three is Day Last Soul, Three Feet High and Rising from 1989. Great album. Just like such a great album. Um, like it feels like the definition of classic hip hop, even even though sometimes it actually sounds older than is, but like I like I know the magic number. Um, and of course me, myself and I, like classic tracks, and just the vibe is just perfect. Yeah, that was a tough one to leave off. They're not. That's an honorable mention for sure for me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to look up De La Soul is Dead too, but that is from 1991, which I didn't even realize. Yeah, they were such a. They were one of the top, like the Mount Rushmore of the like late 80s, early 90s mm-hmm. hip hop groups. Yeah, I mean, like you have like totally different vibes with a lot of those groups, but like you can either go the direction of like. De La Soul and like Tribe and maybe like Souls of Mischief or something like that. Jungle Brothers. Like, yeah, or you can be more like like Public Enemy or NWA or something along those lines. But uh, Two Live Crew. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> a lot of good hip hop. Vanilla. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, what's your number three? Depeche Mode's Music for the Masses. Hey, there we go. All right, Night- I'm glad you put it on your list. Yeah, it's from 1987. Um, Depeche Mode, I listen to Music for the Masses and Violator both at different... I mean, they're different. Like, Violator's more dark, I feel like. Music for the Masses... I mean, I know the title's ironic, but it's just something like... There's something about Depeche Mode that I've always loved. It's just like a vibe that they have that hmm. it is... A lot of times it's very sad, but it's... It's just like their thing. Like it's, there's not really another band I could come up with. There's other bands that have aspects of what they do. Like Nine Inch Nails has some of it. And like, especially Pretty Hate Machine, which was 1989. But there's no other band that I really say like that is exactly like Depeche Mode. It's just, they're very unique. And I think that album has a lot of good like pop melodies buried in it too. 
Yeah. No, that's a great point. Like, they're like a top five, like vibe band. Like they have their own particular vibe and you kind of know what it is. And if you want that vibe, which like they, they hit that like perfect, like kind of like late eighties, like kind of downtrodden a little bit, but still catchy. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. No, great pick. Uh, all right, my number two, I know you left him off your list for good reasons, but can't leave him off my list. Michael Jackson, Thriller. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, from a musical standpoint, I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> we we have the record of, of Thriller, so we do, like, play it a fair amount. And, like, I never really thought it from a record standpoint. Um, the first four tracks, which goes up to, I think, track four is Thriller are on side A and then the back half side B, which I actually think is much better. I mean, I like the song thriller. Don't get me wrong, but like the only, there are a couple songs. I'm like, not crazy about it. I forget what the second track is actually even called. Uh, but it's like girl be mine or something like that. Uh, or is baby it, be mine maybe. I think, well, that's not the one that he did with Paul McCartney, is it? No. So that, that's the third track. I think that's, that's, the girl is mine. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that track I'm like, not crazy about either, but like when you have, I think thriller probably has arguably five of the 10 best Michael Jackson songs and with thriller, um, like with beat it with PYT depends on how you feel about human nature. I suppose. I love human nature. Yeah. So, so you have a stretch from four through eight and, and Billie Jean, of course, that are like five classic songs in a row. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel like it's almost untouched by any album. It really, I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah. So I had to, I had to put it on. Um, it's a, it's whenever, especially Billie Jean, but you put on the, like the starting beat to that and our daughter just like stands up and like, starts like shaking to it <laughs> yeah it's uh, awesome i mean they're great like all the songs you just mentioned are just fantastic well, on their own even and it's funny too because one of my earliest memories is dancing to the song bad which i think bad was released in like 88 or 89 or something so it's like it, it's about in line with the first things i were to remember and i just remember dancing around to that song yeah it's funny to see her dance to michael jackson too yeah it's it's just it's everything's rolling into the future Mm -hmm. uh all right what is your number two my number two is slayer with rain and blood from 1986 double dip no i'm just kidding that would be so i would have lost my mind if you had slayer on your list much less number one yeah um but i couldn't I actually had to go through my phone, the albums that I always have on my phone and like catch it. And then I was like, not only did I forget the first pass through in my head that it was like, it was from 1986, but I was like, okay, it's not only on there. It might be number one. And I eventually ended up at number two, but it is as far as thrash metal, as far as like heavy metal, as far as anything other than like putting things on the map, that album is a masterpiece and it's not going to be like a lot of people are going to, the first song is called angel of death and it's about Mengele, the Nazi doctor. So, I mean, 
it's not an accessible uh, type of album or subject matter that most people are going to be like, yeah, I want to listen to that. But if you're a fan of heavy metal, it's so, it's so perfect because it's just chaos. It's just the guitarist, uh, Kerry King for Slayer, his, his approach to playing guitar was basically um, play as fast as he possibly could. And it, it, you know, it's insane and he's so good, but it's just like, it, it's just, and their drummer has, um, some of the best like feet as far as like playing the, the, um, the bass drum. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It's like technically amazing. The time it came out, it was ahead of its time. And it's just, it's just one of the best albums. Good pick. Yeah. I, I want to guess what your number one is when we get to it. Okay. Uh, my number one is run DMC raising hell, which I just, I love this album. It's one of the first hip hop albums I ever had. It's so like from Peter Piper to It's Tricky to UB Illin to my Adidas. It is like any song from that album I hear come up. I just immediately like want to stop and listen. I think it's like pretty perfect from start to finish. It's so minimalist in its beats, uh, which I really like, um, I love the back and forth rhyming that Run DMC always does. And it's just, uh, it's a great album for me. It's like, I think when I was looking at lists, a lot of lists like had this somewhere on the list, but it was usually not very high. And I think maybe Run DMC gets a rep for being like maybe on the cornier aspect of things in terms of hip hop, but like, I don't care. I love this album. Yeah, it's a great album. They're they're. I mean, I get what you're saying, and I I guess you could say that in a way there is kind of a gimmick to it, but it's not like it's a gimmick that they rely on. They're so talented, and like the music is so great, and that is an album that is full of like fantastic songs. So it's I mean, good. it's yeah. And I'm realizing with a lot of my top five albums, like like with with Run DMs, with Raising Hell, with Thriller, with Purple Rain. I tend to favor the albums that are like, let's do this in nine or 10 tracks. And like, that's going to be it. And they're just like perfect pieces. I, I, I like that too. We have the same theory with, we like short movies and same types of albums track wise. Every time I see the Irishman on Netflix, I'm like, sorry, <laughs> three and a half hours. I'm not watching that. Would you consider watching it in four installments? <laughs> I would have to watch it in at least two installments. And I just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's not worth it, I don't think. No. Okay, let me guess your number one before you say it. I bet you'll get it. Master of Puppets? It is. Yeah! Yeah, good job. <laughs> and it also came out in 1986. And another album that came out in 1986 that's in my honorable mentions is Megadeth's Peace Sells But Who's Buying. So three of the best five thrash albums came out the year I was born. And I think wow. that might be why I've been such a lifelong thrash metal fan. I don't know, but master of puppets is, a, is a masterpiece. And it is, uh, even though I've soured on Metallica over the years, I probably put them behind Slayer and Megadeth. Now, even they used to be my favorite band. They just kind of like became rich entitled lazy musicians honestly mm. over the years so i mean whatever that's their prerogative to do that but um master of puppets is um still to this day 
uh, it's just beautiful. I mean, it's like they were just all of them, with the exception of the drummer. I mean, are pretty much virtuoso uh, musicians. Like James Hetfield sings, but he also plays some of the like gnarliest metal riffs as the rhythm guitarist. Like he's just he's like a he's probably underrated. Um, even though it's Metallica, like that's how good he is. But they're, they're, that album especially is just the best mix of the number of songs on it that are outstanding, the number that are iconic, and the length of the album. There's no duds. It's like their magnum opus, and it's great. So that's why it's my number one. Great pick. Great album cover, too. Yeah, I re- I've always liked it. The little, the, all the, cr- the tombstones with the marionette strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I like that, and it's uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, I, I kind of figured like that. That's probably the number one, and it's nice to see that you have so many albums that came out in 1986, the year of your birth, the year of my birth, 1985. I realized I was going through my list, including the honorable mentions. None of them came out the year of my birth. I have some from '86 and like some '88s and '83s and '84s and twos. Nothing from 1985. Guess what? I have two in my honorable mentions. Okay. All right. What are your um, honorable mentions? Uh, so I already talked about Megadeth. Another one is Dio's Holy Diver. That's another, another heavy metal. Um, that's just like a fun rock and roll masterpiece. And I just, Ryan Burkett, uh, J rock, our recent guest. Um, I told, I, he one day out of the blue, a few years ago, texted me. He's like, Holy Diver is the best. Like it was just one of those things where it's, when you listen to it, it's so much fun that it gets you going. Um, I also had Pixies Doolittle, which was 89. I love that album. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine, I mentioned earlier, is also 89. Here's an 85, Tears for Fears, songs from the big chair. Oh, nice. Love that. Cocteau Twins, who are a Scottish, kind of like an indie band that aren't super popular, but they had a Spangle Maker EP that's really good, like ethereal pop music that I've always liked. Um, the Smiths, which we talked about earlier, Strange Ways Here We Come, their last album is my favorite, which is from 1987. And then the other 1985 is Sade, Diamond Life, that has mm. an operator. Um, I, I like love it. I love that album. And my last one, Eric B. and Rakim, Paid in Full, from 1987. That's a great pick. That's a good album, too. Um, I have that on my honorable mentions. I also have my top honorable mention, as I mentioned earlier, was Public Enemy, It Takes the Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Um, I've got Eurythmics, Touch from 83, Paul Simon Grayson from 86, Tracy Chapman's self-titled, great album. Um, I feel like Fast Car is like one of my favorite, like just simple riffs and just like feeling, feeling songs ever. Uh, And that's from 88. Uh, and then I also had uh, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, 84. I don't even know if that's the best Bruce Springsteen album, but I think it has my secret, like, like favorite Bruce song, which is I'm on Fire. Even though that song has, like, it doesn't have, like, a bridge, I don't think. It doesn't even, it's, like, two minutes long. It, like, builds a little bit and then just kind of ends. It doesn't have, like, a bunch of different parts, but for some reason it just, like, works really well uh so that's one of my favorites too but but yeah there's a lot of good albums of the 80s there's i mean i kind of like the the beastie boys licensed to ill paul's boutique both those albums are great too paul's boutique could never be repeated again as a type of album because you just couldn't get 
I think there are like 200 samples on that album and you can't yeah. clear it anymore. Yeah, that's crazy. I That's a good point to mention. Like I went into this kind of skeptical about what I would find. And then now I have like 10 or 12 that I got to listen to because I was like, I like Peter Gabriel, um, mm-hmm. like things that I, and midnight oil, like things that I've always heard, like singles and things that I like, but I never took the time to listen to an album. I have got those queued up to like go through. So I might have some updates. Yeah. Maggie's a big Peter Gabriel fan. Yeah. I really like so, which is the one that's got sledgehammer, but I have never listened mm-hmm. to it enough to like put it on the list, but now I'm going to give it some more. Nice. Time. All right. Well, if, uh, there are other 1980 albums, uh, that we forgot about, I'm sure there are some, please let us know, hit us up on our Twitter feed, Whiskey Sessions Music, or let us know, um, wait a minute, our Twitter is not Whiskey Sessions Music. At Whiskey Sessions. It's just at Whiskey Sessions, it's even better. You don't have to type in the music, but if you wanna email us, you do have to type in the music, and that's Whiskey Sessions Music at gmail.com. So you can hit us up with an email there, uh, and we gotta get to our emails for this episode, so let's get to them. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read emails, and now we'll read them. All right, B-Pimp, what have we got in the old email inbox? Hi, I've recently purchased the controlling interest in Southern Comfort and have a bone to pick with your podcast. Oh, here we go. I believe you repeatedly have suggested to your listeners that our product is some sort of syrup. I assure you, if you put SoCo on your pancakes while increasing your enjoyment of breakfast, you will be severely inebriated by our delicious spirit. Please issue a full and frank apology at your earliest convenience. I await your reply. Reluctantly, J. Elijah Hornblower the fourth. Wow. The fourth? The Hornblower dynasty bought so- SoCo, apparently. Yikes. I, well, J. Elijah, and I hope there isn't a fifth. Let me just start with that. Well, if he drinks more SoCo with his pancakes, there will be. Not only will this apology not be frank or full, but it will be non-existent because I don't know about you, B-Pimp. I stand by everything I've said about Southern Comfort. I'm going to double down. I think it's worse than syrup. I would rather drink syrup from a bottle like they do in Super Troopers than ever drink more SoCo again in my life. I 100% agree with that. I will never drink another product made by Southern Comfort ever again. It should be called Southern Discomfort. That's how bad it is. It should be called Northern uh, Stupid Stuff. <laughs> you just gave them a good idea, damn it. The Northern Stupid Stuff offshoot to Southern Comfort. It would be like more accurate uh, description of what the actual product is. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for email, I guess. Thanks for email, but we're not going to apologize. It's, we have journalistic integrity. Exactly. I think if our listeners expect us to accurately give boots to whiskeys and what do you even call Southern comfort a whiskey to whatever Southern comfort is? They expect us to give boots to things that deserve the boot. And there is nothing that deserves the boot more than Southern comfort. It gave boots their name. I believe so. It was like double steel toed. Yeah, it was double steel toed. Then the boot had like a little thing at the end that said, we're coming for you Southern comfort. And it like knocks it right in the middle, like a home run. Yes. Uh, And then those boots were retired and put on a shelf. There, and now, no way we would need a boot that heavy ever again because there can't be anything as bad as Southern Comfort. And they're in the Smithsonian now. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good email. I got one from uh, Sean in Shreveport, Louisiana. 
Dear Whiskey Sesh, I want to hear the new EP. When is it coming out? Thank you for writing in, Sean. We are pretty much like we're B Pimp's got his stuff recorded. I've got my stuff recorded. We're editing. The next step will be finalizing and mastering. This baby is coming. It's hot and ready. It's hot and ready. I would say, I don't know, early fall. But like when it hits, it'll hit like nothing you've ever heard before. It's going to be out with the pumpkin beers in the fall. And you'll be able to sit there and sip some pumpkin and listen to the whiskey sessions too. another sip. No, it's going to be amazing. We got to, you know, what we have to do is like start coming up with uh, cover designs. Yeah, that's a good point. We got to make sure it looks snazzy. You want to be in charge of that? Sure. Okay, cool. Be pimps on it covers. That's the next thing we have to do. Uh, it's going to be, have a real sweet label. But yeah, thank you for your emails. Again, if you want to email us, hit us up at whiskey sessions, music at gmail.com. And we will read your email on a future episode. But until then, that wraps it up for episode 91. Be Pimp, do you have any words of wisdom to leave our listeners with? Aha! Aha! All right, until next time, drink whiskey. Drink whiskey every day. Yeah, every maybe, day. maybe not. <laughs> not every day. This is Amen saying peace out. And Be Pimp, bye. bye.